Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. And we've got Dr. Catherine Sherida again with us this week to talk about specifically children and stress and the holidays. We talked about how the rest of us are dealing with it. And first of all, welcome and thank you for thank joining you. us. Thank you. Always happy to be here. So one of the things we kind of used as a, to, to launch this episode of Focus is the fact that you said adults are responsible for their own happiness. Their own their ha- own happiness, their own feelings, their own interpretation of their own feelings. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Meaning? A lot of times people will say, so-and-so hurt my feelings, or I'm afraid of hurting someone's feelings. And I always tell people they don't actually have the power to hurt your feelings, and you don't have the power to hurt their feelings. You could take something in challenging way that someone said to you, but that's information for you, uh, the way you react to it, because you could be angry, you could be sad, you could be amused by what somebody said. Your emotional reactions are not restricted by what they said. You really have choices. Could you give an example of that, please? Um, so if somebody says something like, I don't think that color looks good on you, mm-hmm. you could become really angry. I worked hard to pick out this color for me. Um, You could be sad. You could be afraid. Um, Gee, I'd never do anything right and and nobody's going to Mm -hmm. uh, like me. Or you could be amused and say, Oh, well, I guess you're the fashion police. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And just, Or you could even go, hey, thanks for pointing that out. I kind of thought it didn't. Or, I, yeah, or wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, wanted to try it. So there are so many different ways you could react. Mm-hmm. And as an adult, you, you have choices about not only how you react, but when you react in a particular way, you can step back and say, oh, isn't that interesting? That one really got under my skin. Or... That one I was able to deal with well, and I could talk about it with the person. Those choices exist because as an adult, you have more experience. You have more ability to walk away if you choose to. You Mm -hmm. have more ability to stand your ground and negotiate if you choose to do that. There's information that you've gathered over time and social skills that you've gathered over time. But with children, they're pretty limited on experience. They're pretty limited on choices. They're pretty limited on the ability to stand back and look at themselves or look at you and figure out what's going on. Yeah. They can't walk away. Um, That could get you into trouble if you're a kid. Yeah. When you're a kid, it is certainly the case that somebody can hurt your feelings. So if somebody says something and you get upset or you feel bad, and and then unfortunately after that, somebody else says, why are you so sensitive? Uh, It wasn't that big a deal. Then you have two problems because they said something that was difficult for you to take. And so you got upset. And you're talking about a child. I'm talking about a child. And then they told you you were just too sensitive. So there's nothing wrong with what they said. There's Mm -hmm. something wrong with you. As a person, you're you're too sensitive. So what does that do to the child who's getting this information? <laughs> well, what that does to the child is it tells you you're not adequate, you're not good enough, you're not right, you don't know what you're doing. Go in a corner and shut up and get out of my way because mm-hmm. or do it my way or I don't know why you're looking so unhappy. You don't have anything to be unhappy about. Just get over it. Oh, boy. I've, I've heard that. Heard those sentences. Ouch. Probably um, all of us have. Um, yeah. And what, what that does is it's telling you that your 
feelings and your perception are wrong. It don't matter. My position, my opinion overrides yours. Mm-hmm. And again, you've got two problems because somebody said something that feels bad to you. And then you were told that you don't have a right to have your emotional reaction. You don't have a right to feel the way you feel. How can we be more aware of that and not do that to kids? It's really important to recognize that kids' feelings are as valid as adults' feelings. Um, I tell people all feelings are valid. You don't really have to justify that you feel this way because that happened. You just feel this way. And having established that, what's going on with you? How do Mm -hmm. you interpret that? Where do we go from here? How do we deal with that? So that's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is that there are some parents these days who want to make sure that their kids are always happy, that they never get their feelings hurt, that they're never upset, that they willingly participate in bedtime routines, family activities, whatever. They want the children to be happy. And what this tends to to get to is that eventually the parents often become frustrated with the kids because kids don't want to brush their teeth. They don't mm-hmm. want to put their pajamas on. They don't want to take a bath. They don't want to do their homework. They don't want to whatever it is they're supposed to do. So then often parents who don't really know what they're doing there um, and are frustrated are likely to try to negotiate with the kids. Well, if you do this and then I'll do that and then will and next will and what are you unhappy about and tell me about it. So the kid becomes the center of attention for not wanting to do something. Um, And one of the things I try to teach parents is your kids don't have to want to brush their teeth. They just have to brush their teeth. (laughs) It's okay if you don't want to brush your teeth. I I get that. And and we can try to solve it by getting a different toothpaste or a different toothbrush. If there are specific complaints, we we can try to find a way to make that work. But if the situation is that the child is simply getting a lot of attention by saying they don't want to do something. Oh. Then the real problem is that you're giving the child attention for complaining or being upset. And I'm not saying that you ignore the child's feelings or make fun of them. And it's like, yeah, I think sometimes when we all get tired, we don't want to brush our teeth. That's really frustrating, isn't it? And you still have to brush your teeth because I don't want them to fall out on you. Yeah. So there's reason that I'm wanting you to do it even when you don't want to do it. Right. But it is okay for the kid to feel that way. Definitely. But you still have to do that. Right. And so what you don't want to do is say, well, there are lots of kids all over the world who would love to have a toothbrush and toothpaste. So I don't know what you're whining about. Oh, that is not helpful. So that's where you get into the essentially putting somebody down for being frustrated. And I think it's fine for kids to be frustrated about doing something. And you just say it's okay to be frustrated and you still have to do it. (laughs) I noticed that um, there was a study out just recently that said four and five parents believe their children are not appreciative of what they have. Yes. Half of the parents admitted it was possibly their responsibility for that. And I thought, well. Well, I think there's some confusion on some parents' part about what happens when you buy a child a toy, a bike, when you take them on an experience. Now, children who grow up in families where they're given lots of options and lots of opportunities and lots of toys have never lived in another situation. 
Yes. This is normal for them. Yes. So when you buy them another toy, give them another option, take them on another excursion, it's not a big deal. That happens all the time. This is how life is. This is how life is. And when the parents say, you don't appreciate what I'm giving you, that's probably correct. Because the child can't step back and see how those other kids are treated who don't get all those options. Ah. So it's really important for parents to recognize that kids are going to believe that they have experienced that is normal. Yes. And and know if it, it's consistently wonderful for them, they're not necessarily going to appreciate it because they have no contrast effect. Oh. Um, it's like fish don't know they're in water. They're always in water. Yeah. It's important for parents to realize that they might decide to give their children toys or options or opportunities or experiences because they decided to do that. Mm-hmm. And the child might appreciate it later when they have something to compare it with. But to expect a five-year-old, a 10-year-old to appreciate what they're getting, not going to happen probably. Whoa, that's very insightful. They, 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 yeah, they, they are just where they are. And so if you've decided to be a wonderful parent and give your child a lot of opportunities, more power to you and that's wonderful. But don't expect them to be grown up and wise and see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. A lot of times people who make sure that they make donations and contributions and give to nonprofits at the holidays and things like that do say that they needed the help at one point in their lives or right. when they were kids they didn't have help and they had angel tree gifts and things like that right. so they have something to what did you call it the con- to compare with a contrast effect yeah. and i try to remind parents that when your kids get to be 25 or 30 they'll they'll sing a different tune <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have to be patient. <laughs> You're going to have to be patient. <laughs> 10-year-olds and 15-year-olds are not allowed to sign contracts for a particularly good reason. Uh. They're not wise yet. They're not <laughs> responsible yet. <laughs> they're impulsive. They see in little bitty things, oh. and they think they're right about big things. Yes. But they're not there yet. I know a par- some parents will... They'll say, say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. They will make sure that their child knows about donating toys or clothes to right. other children and let them know that there are other children who don't have what you do. Right. Uh, how do we teach kids uh, compassion and generosity and things like that? Do If parents are already giving the kids what they want, is that teaching them that already? Encouraging the kids to give back is a different kind of generosity teaching a different kind. So for example, if it's your birthday and you have a five-year-old, obviously they're not going to go buy you a present, but you can work with them to make a birthday cake. You know, you get it out of a box and you put an egg and you work together and they made you the birthday cake. So they are learning that on somebody else's birthday, they can do the work to be nice to them. So it's partly by reciprocity and encouraging in your own family mm-hmm. for people to be kind to each other on their special days, mm-hmm. as, as well as noticing people outside the family. Yeah. So encouraging them to donate toys they don't need anymore or clothes they don't need anymore. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really wonderful. But children who get everything they want yeah. um, generally don't show a lot of compassion and don't learn. 
that anybody else needs anything because all they're taught is that their needs are met and nothing else seems to matter. They don't know that there are other people not getting their needs met. Why would they notice? That's never point. They? That's never pointed out to them. Okay. I literally can remember working with one woman had four adult children, and she was like, they, they don't send me a card, they don't do anything, they ignore my birthday, but they expect me to pay attention to them on theirs. And yeah. I'm like, what did you teach them when they were growing up? Did you say... It's my birthday. It'd be nice if y'all drew me a picture or whatever, right. something to acknowledge that it's my birthday and, and you yeah. take care of me. Yeah. Not obviously really take care of me, but, but take care of me the way a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 15-year-old does so that kids learn that what they're doing is good for you and you appreciate it. So you've got a 12-year-old who takes one of those microwave poppable things out and pops a bag of popcorn and says, here, mom, dad, it's your birthday. I made you some popcorn. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't change the world, but it's a really nice gesture. And so you as the adult say, thank you. That was really kind. I, I like popcorn, assuming you do. Or yeah. something, it, it can be a small thing, but you're teaching them to do something within their competence level. It's like the breakfast in bed thing where they put the cookies on the plate. It, it's that kind of thing, but they're still doing something at their competence level, and so you appreciate what they're doing at their competence level. I have a family member who has grown kids who you hit a nerve there when you said uh, an adult woman who has grown kids hmm. who always expect her to do things for mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And it seems like she overcompensated. She says she feels like she overcompensated. We had a, a childhood where we had to be very self-reliant right. and take care of the parents, kind of take care of our mother. Right. So she says she overcompensated. And I tend to agree where she did everything for the kids, gave them everything. And even as they got older, they'd get in trouble. She'd bail them out. Right. Literally, sometimes yeah. they right. got in trouble. She always, 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 always caught them. Mm -hmm. And now they will be hateful to her when they need money for such and such and she doesn't come through, they're like, well, I can't believe that you're, it's like they're throwing a five-year-old temper tantrum. They are kind of throwing a five-year-old temper tantrum because they got rewarded for acting like a five-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. And so they kind of never grew up mm -hmm. in that way, even if they behave appropriately somewhere else oh, and they oh. wouldn't treat anybody else like that. Oh, right. They have learned to treat her that way. And typically that makes her do what I want. Which off is of the goods or whatever. Off, yeah, take care of this, um, whatever it is. Whatever the need is. Whatever the need is. So you've got adults who are cleaning their adult child's apartment because mm -hmm. the adult child can't be counted on to do that. So what can an adult do in that situation? Where, where does one start? Where does one start? Oh, my. I probably really would start in therapy, I would talk to somebody. I would also be tempted to look on the internet under codependency. Oh. Because, and, and I, I was talk, yeah. talking to a guy recently um, in my office, and he said, you said I was codependent, and I thought that was meant like I was still dependent on my parents, and I'm not dependent on my parents. And I went and looked it up, and it's me. Oh. <laughs> it's not that I'm dependent on anybody else that they need to do things for me. It's that I'm dependent on making them happy. 
He said, that's really me. I need them to need me because well, that makes me happy. I need I need to take care of them. I need to be the one who's got all the answers. I need to be the one who fixes things. Oh. I need to be the one who takes care of things. Uh, codependents actually take care of things for other people. Oh, but then when they get tired of it, then all heck breaks loose. When they get tired of it. Um, or unable to do it. Or unable to do it. It's... It's, it's kind of a disaster because the people they've been taken care of have not developed a reciprocal relationship with them, and they don't expect to take care of anything. Mm-hmm. So where you start is kind of my learning to say no and recognizing that other people are a little shocked when you, no, but no. <laughs> and, and then it's, yeah, I think that was what I said. I, I, I think that was a no. And the people that you've been taking care of, then they have to develop those skills or... Well, they have to develop those skills or, de- or experience some natural consequences. Typically, they develop the skills. But I like the fact that you said, or experience it's the consequences. consequences. Right. Because that's what the codependent person has been keeping them from, the consequences of Bingo. their actions. Yes, that's exactly correct. Whoa. Right. You mess up. And there are a couple of things, reasons for doing that, because if I don't protect you from your consequences, you won't love me anymore. And they basically say that. Pretty much. Yeah. But the thing is, you're still protecting them from the consequences and they don't love you very much. They're not nice. True. So it's interesting. Again, I had somebody in my office and my grown son oh, wanted me to lend him money for a car mm-hmm. that I didn't think was a good investment. I actually didn't have the money right then. Yeah. He's like, why don't you borrow it? And luckily, my client said, um, negatory, this is not something you need, and I hope you'll figure it out. Son was really angry, went to the bank, got his own loan, did get the car, mm-hmm. Then my client was saying the next week he called me and he was asking me for financial advice. I was really shocked. (laughs) And I said, well, you proved that you make wise financial decisions. Oh, wow. You did not have the money to cover that car for him. Not that you couldn't have gotten it, but you didn't really have it. That wasn't a wise decision on your part. He really wanted the car. He went and got the money. His car, he's well over 18. Mm -hmm. And you proved that you were a responsible, reliable person. Who else should be asking advice from? Oh, whoa. That just changed the dynamics there. And the parent literally said to me, I really was afraid he wouldn't love me anymore. And I said, well, apparently he still does. Wow. By the way, this is Focus. I'm Anna Marie. And we're talking with Nashville psychologist Dr. Catherine Sherrod. Now, I've seen the experience of the adult giving the kids, this is our spare family car. Right. Not really spare, but. And so you can use it because you don't have a car and you don't have transportation. The adult child who could get their own vehicle. Uh. And then the kid wrecks it (laughs) and then doesn't pay it back, doesn't get it fixed. And so guess what the, the mom does? She helps them get into another car. Yeah, I couldn't recommend that second part. I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> I <laughs> no. couldn't recommend that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so w- what do you do when your kids are saying, I hate you. You just, you you don't help us when we really need it. You you don't come through when we need it. What do you tell yourself to, to get over that hump and realize that this is where we need to go with this? One of the 
things that I sometimes ask people is, how did you learn to be resilient? How did you learn to buy your own car? How did you learn all the things that make you a functional adult? Well, I had to do it myself or it wasn't going to get done. Yeah. Oh, isn't that interesting? So one of the things I'm noticing is your children never had to learn to be responsible to put in the work to get what they wanted because you put in the work to get what they wanted. Yes. And now they're apparently lacking some skills for taking care of themselves. Yeah. Sometimes it really demonstrates true love to say, I'd like to help you develop those skills. Instead of I'd like to give you the car for free. I'd like to help you develop the skills to take care of yourself. Which are not necessarily fun to develop. I don't want to give you a fish. I want to teach you to fish. Something very much like that. Exactly. But I think it's important to say that all people who are trying so hard to help somebody else do well are coming from a position of love and compassion. Mm -hmm. They just want to make somebody else's life easier. Mm -hmm. And that's a a wonderful intention. Mm -hmm. But you need to make sure that your intention is having the outcome that you want it to have. And if you're doing all the work and taking all the consequences, they unfortunately are not learning really important lessons. Yeah, we don't do anybody any favors by making things too easy for them. By taking away the consequences. Well, Well, by taking away the consequences and by not teaching the reality, if you live in a family as a child, you probably need some chores. You can learn to run the vacuum cleaner. You can learn to put the dishes in the dishwasher or wash them if you don't have a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. There are things you can learn to do that suit your age. Kids are not expected to want to do this. We're back to, I don't want to wash the dishes. Yep, I get that. Frequently, I don't want to have to pay the bills or change the sheets, Mm -hmm. but sometimes we have to do what we don't want to do. So... Thank you for sharing. I'm sorry you don't want to do it. Chore's still there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm torn between thinking you you would be a a fabulous mom for me, (laughs) or or I hear that voice in my head now. I'd be like, (sighs) (laughs) well, there is that. The kid gets to go, and and you're like, how kid-like, how appropriate. Yes, they don't want to do it, and they sigh, and they roll their eyes, (laughs) and sometimes they slam doors, and welcome to being a kid who's not very happy. That makes me feel better to hear that, because I remember when I was a kid being told to do something, and I would stomp off. I would show my defiance. I would stomp off, and my mom would go, come back here. You leave this room correctly. Right. And I had this rage inside Oh, exactly. I felt helpless and I felt more angry because I wasn't allowed to express it. Right, right. See, from my perspective, it's okay for the kid to have emotions. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like that I told you X, Y, or Z. You just have to do it. So what if the kid stomps off to their room and says, I'm not going to, and they go to the room? Oh, well... If they go to the room and slam the door and they're not going to do it, it's just nothing else that's going to happen for that kid until they do it. Oh. I mean, I'm not going to get in a fight with you, but that movie you wanted to go to isn't happening. That friend you wanted to come over or you wanted to go visit them, that's not happening. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh. Let me know. The consequences. Yeah. Rather than, 
Because I can imagine some parents would go in there and scream and yell and you're coming in here, you're going to do that. And there's all this conflict. I don't really like fighting with children. I don't like fighting with adults. Mm -hmm. But the parent, you are the one responsible for those consequences. Whoa. I think that would work with a husband. (laughs) (laughs) It might. (laughs) (laughs) What are some things maybe we can kind of keep an eye out for at family gatherings? Because we kind of lose track. The kids are over there. People are over there. Is there something we need to kind of keep our eyes open for? One of the things that it's important to pay attention to with children in the holidays is when they get overwhelmed, they get grumpy. and Or possibly shy. And so we haven't seen Uncle Harry and Aunt Harriet for a while. And the adults want to hug the kids. And the kids hang back and they don't want to my role this is just my role everybody doesn't have to uh, uh, adopt it is that kids don't have to hug anybody they don't want to their bodies are really their own thank you very much and yeah well that's going to hurt grandma's feelings you know we only see her once a year and as a four-year-old they don't remember very Mm -hmm. well well that's going to hurt grandma's feelings so you go up and you hug grandma and i'm like not in my world yes um if the child hangs back then give the child time and if grandma is the kind of person they want to approach and hug um, then it's probably going to happen over the next couple of days but can we let it happen naturally good and yet there are some kids who they're not huggers yeah they're not going to be huggers and if we say well jake will hug you but Susie won't Mm -hmm. um, then we're acknowledging that they're not the same children And it's not a good thing that Jake hugs you. It's not a good thing that Susie doesn't. It's just what they are. Nothing's Uh good or bad about that behavior. Those are their preferences. Yeah. Yeah. How about we let them be who they are and how about we respect who they are? So um, we do try and shape kids and make them be little tiny adults who would react exactly like we do we do sometimes and that can be really hard on kids who find that uncomfortable Mm -hmm. who are not naturally whatever and yet of course there are other kids who will walk in and hug everybody in the room sure uh that's what they do and that's wonderful and let them do that Mm -hmm. i feel comfortable with that in my soul when you say this i'm like yes yeah yes absolutely Yeah. I played guitar when I was a kid, and I okay. remember feeling like oh. my mom treated me like I was a thing to show off to her friends. Go get the guitar out of my closet and bring it and play it for people. So I can show you off. Yeah. Yeah, that's really hard on kids. It's a wonder I didn't turn out crazier than I am. I, th- <laughs> I, think, <clears throat> I think you have turned out incredibly well. Thank you. <laughs> and... One of the things that you're doing is talking about how uncomfortable some things were. And I always tell people, if you had a rough childhood, there are two things that are important for making your adulthood better. First, admit how bad it really was. Uh. Second, find somebody who's a role model that you can follow. This role model that you're looking for could have been one of your teachers, your next door neighbor, the parent of a friend. It could have been somebody you knew in church or some organization, a coach. And I just tell people, take that individual who was kind to you. Mm -hmm. Not perfect. There are no perfect mentors. There are no perfect people, but just a generally sort of kind of nice person Mm -hmm. and put that person in your head. And then when you're 
unsure about how to react to somebody, say, how might that person react? You don't have to become them. You don't have to imitate them. You're just using them for kind of sort of a guide. Mm -hmm. And this is helpful because without that, what people often decide to do is I'm not going to be like mom. I'm not going to be like dad. I'm not going to be like my grandparents or whomever. And so that actually makes them the center of your universe because when you go to say something or do something, you go, well, would mom do that or would dad do that? And they're always being brought in for comparison purposes. And I don't want them brought in for comparison purposes. Mm -hmm. I want you to have this mentor in your head and say, what might they do? Mm-hmm. So that's always, you're always using this relatively positive guide. And I hope your mentor lost their temper once in a while, or they, there's something that they couldn't do. And then like, you saw how they dealt with it. And you though. saw how they dealt with it. Yeah, they're not perfect. A lot of my dear friends are older ladies. Uh-huh. And I've kind of felt that for a while, that I've found the, the older female companionship and mentorship and guidance and love that I craved uh, my whole life. The way you just said that reminded me, I spoke with the dog counselor. And one of the things he said is when you're training a dog, you don't just go stop barking. You don't say stop doing this or stop this behavior. You tell them what else to do. You say stop barking, go to your bed. And like stop thinking about how your mom would do it. Exactly. Start thinking about exactly. This exactly. That's a great analogy, actually. So it's like we're using a little bit dog psychology is a little bit. Dogs and people aren't that much different. Day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Any final thoughts? Because as always, we've just continued to to talk past our. Well, as long as we're doing dogs and people, the last thing is both dogs and people like appreciation. <laughs> um, good really, girl good girl and i like for dogs good girl works for people being very specific works like the way you decorated that or oh. thank you for offering to help me clean up what i spelled or just just anything specific mm-hmm. thank you for being so nice to grandma thank you for being so nice to grandma yeah okay yeah, and, and actually, that's a good thing to do with kids, because sometimes relatives are not ideal, and you're like, <laughs> I, I, I know it was a little challenging to be around Grandma, and I saw you really putting some effort into it, and I, I'm amazed, and I really appreciate it. Thank you. I think you've armed us a little bit. I hope so. Uh, both the kids and the adults, <laughs> I think, will be a little better prepared for the holidays and what comes after. <laughs> I hope so. They can be stressful. Dr. Catherine Sherrod, she's a Nashville psychologist. We'll post the information up so you can get in touch with her if you'd like to. Thank you for joining us again. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus.